It's great to be in this building. We are very excited about being in St. Peter's. Uh, For those who don't know the history of the church, um, the church was started many, many years ago, about 100 years ago. Um, Initially, we owned a little building, a little mission hall on Margate Road um, that seated about 40 people. Um, Then we had various venues. We went to Southsea Community Centre. We ended up in Portsmouth High School. Everybody go, pop, 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 pop. It's a lovely, lovely school, Portsmouth High School. Abby goes went there, and she's quite posh, Abby. Abby here this morning? She's at the back. She's hiding now behind the baptismal font at the back. Um, so lovely, lovely school and uh, lovely people there who um, blessed us uh, with hiring that venue for £30 a week, which is phenomenal. Um, so we were so thankful for that. But we have been praying for many, many years Um, that we would be back in the Somerstown area because we believe as a church that God has called us to be a church in the area of Somerstown. So um, we've been here for a few weeks now and uh, I just want to really ask you for your patience this morning um, because things are not quite as we want them here in this building. You will notice today that half of the building is in light and the other half is in darkness. I'm not saying anything prophetic about that to the people sitting on my right-hand side, why you've chosen to sit on that side. But a fuse has blown somewhere. So there's things like that. We don't really know what has gone wrong with the lights over here. I'm sure one day we'll work it out. We'll find where the fuse box is, and we'll notice that there is a fuse that is blown or something like that. Um, there, what I'm asking for is your patience, because... Um, Things are not quite as we would like them to. I was in the, in the loo before church and there's a leak in the loo that needs fixing and there's all sorts of stuff that needs a bit of attention. Um, also very busy um, as a church staff just trying to work out what is going on with Elm Grove. Uh, we're nearly finished with the church flat. If you love a bit of painting, decorating, tiling, if you can help with that this week, that would be fantastic just to get the church flat finished off. That's upstairs. Downstairs, we're hoping that a nursery will move in and uh, we are going to have to fight a bit of a planning battle to make that happen. So we'd really like you to pray for that, that God will remove any planning mountain that Portsmouth City Council put in the way. What am I saying? Things are new. We're in, a, we're in a new season. How many people like new things? I like new things. I know some of you, you don't like new things. You like the same things. You know, there are some personality types. You just like consistency and you like things to be solid and stable. But I like new things. And I, I just really believe, we believe as a leadership team that God is bringing us into a new season. Now, In terms of preaching series that we do at the church, we try and alternate between going through a bit of the Bible. We've just done Psalms that we've gone through together. We've taken out about seven Psalms that we've um, expounded those passages. We tend to alternate between doing that kind of a series with Ephesians, um, uh, I think last year now, was it, or the beginning of the year, to doing more of a thematic series. We pick a theme that we feel the Lord is laying on our hearts, and then what we do is we look at what the Bible teaches about that theme. And we really felt 
that with being in a new season, with things being fresh, with a sense of God wanting us to move on and maybe leave behind some old things as a church, not necessarily bad things, not necessarily sinful things, although I'm sure we could all say there are sinful things that we do need to let um, go of. Um, Let it go, let it go. Sorry, that just came upon me there. Um, I have three small children, and we have watched that movie about three and a half thousand times. Um, So in the course of this series, I'm going to be introducing little songs from Frozen throughout, just to... um, Where was I? Yeah, we we do need to let things go, Um, sinful things, things that were maybe actually God things in yesterday's season. But God is bringing us into a new season and God has got some today things. So we felt as a team that we wanted to do a series on church. What is church? What is this thing called church all about? Why are you here this morning? I mean, why are you here this morning? Just take a moment to think about that. Why did you get yourself out of bed On a Sunday morning, when you could be watching rubbish TV at home, lying in, and you brought yourself to church. Why are you here? What is church all about? We're going to call this series Vertical Church. And this really comes from a book that I read at the beginning of the year. And this book really had an impact on me. And you will see uh, throughout the course of this morning why we are calling the series Vertical Church. But to start with, I'm going to cheat. We allow a bit of cheating here at the King's Church, don't we? The cheating has to do with the Bible, so it's okay. Because I'm actually going to read from Psalms this morning, okay? There was a kind of a psalm left over. I thought that would be great to do a sermon on that. But it kind of sets us up this morning for as we look at this series of church. So if you have a Bible, get out your phone, get out your your iPad, get out your Galaxy pad, get out your paper thing and uh, turn to Psalm 73. God's word is powerful, it's living, it's breathing, it's encouraging, it convicts us. This is going to be by far the most important thing that I say this morning is when I read from God's word. So if you don't listen to anything else, let's respect what God is saying to us through his word. Psalm 73 verse 24. How did we do with the, the PowerPoint this morning? Can you, who can read that at the back? Mervyn, can you read that at the back? Mervyn's got out his binoculars and he can read it from the back. Awesome. So again, patience. We, we need to get some screens going down the pillars or, or something so you guys at the back can see the words. Psalm 73, 24. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. Man, that should convict us to our core. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth, all the things of earth, has nothing. When you look at the original 
Hebrew there, that word nothing means no thing. It's very deep that, okay, I know. And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Now, I'm not going to refer to Psalm 73, but we'll keep it up there because really everything I say this morning refers back to this thought of whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. In the year 2000 of our Lord, there was a little event called the Olympics. Who remembers where the Olympics was held in 2000? If I start to talk like this, does it give you a little bit of a clue? Wales, yeah, they had at the front there. India. No, it wasn't there. It was, it was Sydney. Listen carefully, okay. Um, what do you remember about the Sydney Olympics, apart from people talking like this a lot, because they come from Australia? Um, fireworks. Thank you, Gareth. I'll pay you later for saying the right thing at the right time. Fireworks. Do you, do you remember that massive firework display at the beginning, uh, the opening ceremony of the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Can anybody remember, extra brownie points, maybe a little bit of an extra pudding at the church lunch today for this? Um, although I haven't checked that with Paul Chrysler, so that probably was not going to happen, okay? Um, can anybody tell me, in those fireworks, in the opening celebration, what was the word that was written on Sydney Harbour Bridge? Gaz, he, oh, he's failed me now. The word was eternity. Let's give Gaz a round of applause. That is awesome. Now you may be thinking, and why you don't remember is because probably you do not make the connection between the word eternity and the Sydney Olympics. Well, let me tell you a little bit about why the word eternity. Oh, there it is. Can you see it there? And it was written in a a particular font. And I'll tell you, you're going to learn something this morning, okay? This is awesome. They lived in Sydney, a man called Arthur Stace. Arthur Stace. And in 1932, that's a long time ago for most of us. Not all of us, but most of us. In 1932, Arthur Stace, he was homeless. He was an alcoholic. He was into petty crime. His, his life was totally Broken, busted, and disgusted. Okay? That's a good preacher phrase there, isn't it? I've probably heard it, somebody using that phrase. His life is just a complete mess. And Arthur Stace, one Sunday evening, he walks into a church where a man is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. A man is preaching about the hope that God can bring. And this pastor, John Ridley, he mentions a word over and over again. And that word is, that's right, Jesus. 
And the other word that he mentions is eternity. The theme of his sermon is eternity. And he's asking the congregation, do you know where you will spend eternity? We don't preach like that these days. And maybe we should preach like that these days. That we should talk about the second coming of Christ. That one day he is going to come again. And he's going to judge us. He's going to make a decision about whether we will spend eternity with him or whether we will spend eternity lost without him. And this preacher was on fire, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about eternity. Where will you spend eternity? And Arthur Stace, that evening, he gave his life to Jesus, and Jesus came, and he just totally turned his life around. Isn't it great what God can do with broken people? He's done that for me. I am broken without Jesus. And Arthur Stace, he went away and he was thinking about what he could do for his city. What can I do for Sydney? How can I bless people in this amazing place? And he decided that every single day, after he'd had a cup of tea, or maybe coffee, I'm not so sure, He read his Bible. This man, Mr. Stace, decided that he would take a piece of chalk and he would write the word eternity in different parts of the city. He did this for 35 years, over and over, thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of times, he wrote the word eternity in this sort of typeface, in this script. And as the town awoke, people would see the word eternity everywhere. On the sidewalk, outside the coffee shop, on the back side of a street sign, on the corner at the base of a building. Eternity mysteriously appeared all over the town. Now somehow, instead of being insulted by this graffiti, people reported that as they read the word eternity in unexpected places, that their hearts were warmed. Their hearts were encouraged. From all walks of life, Sydney citizens were stumbling upon eternity. And until 1956, I mean, how long is that? That's 34 years. 34 years he's writing the word eternity. No one knew where it came from, but eventually they found him. And no one demanded that he stopped his graffiti. He died in 1967 at 83 years of age. But he left an impact that will last long after every chalk mark has faded. His gravestone reads, Arthur Malcolm Stace, Mr. Eternity. A word he had written more than 500,000 times around his city. That in 2000, when they're thinking about spending millions of pounds or millions of dollars on a firework display, 
there is the word eternity, smack bang in the middle. And as I start this series on us being a vertical church, I want to put the word eternity right bang in the middle. Where is the middle of the church? It's about here. It's good here, isn't it? I like it. It's nice. Oh, I can hear myself. That's weird. Um, The word eternity should be central to all that we do. There was a guy in the Old Testament called Solomon, King Solomon. And uh, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes is basically Solomon doing the opposite of what we read in Psalm 73. That here where it says, an earth has nothing I desire, Ecclesiastes tell us, tells a story of Solomon trying everything that the world has to offer. Everything. He was the most powerful man in the world. Probably slept with a different woman every night. Had riches, had a wonderful palace, had everything the world could offer. And he comes to this conclusion, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Everything the world has to offer is meaningless. But in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, he gives us a hint of, of something meaningful. And he says this, that God has put eternity into our hearts. The place I'm going to start this morning with this series is not saying, you know, we're special, we're we're unique, we need to be different from other churches, we need to understand our community, we need to be relevant, we need to be contemporary, we need to be this and that. I'm not going to start there. What I'm going to start is here. Every single person is the same. Every single person is the same because within each and every one of us, within each and every person in this city, every student who has come to Portsmouth, every person who has come from abroad to study in Portsmouth, every single mum, every boy, girl, every single person has this thing in common that they have eternity written into their heart. That there is something within them that is a hunger and a longing for something deeper than what the world can offer them. We know this, don't we? I mean, you know, most of us, if not all of us, have tried what the world has to offer. And we come to a place where we know, do you know what? There is something within me that that it's, it's beyond this world. And Arthur Stace, he realizes that only Jesus could meet the deepest longings of his heart. In the 1940s, a dude called Abraham Maslow. Who's heard of Abraham Maslow? Oh, I could be in trouble here because some people may know a lot more about this than I do. This is from (laughs) simplepsychology.com. Oh dear. Okay. Abraham Maslow, let's keep this simple. He basically said, we have needs. Yeah, we have needs. And he talked about, first of all, he talked about basically our our sort of physical needs. We need air. You need air, okay? Air is good. We like air. Food, shelter, 
warmth, sleep. These are, these are physical needs. We have, we have emotional needs, love, the sense of belonging, esteem. And he worked up a little pyramid where, where in, in the 1940s he was saying the deepest, not necessarily the, the deepest, but it was all built on a pyramid. So if you meet these needs and you come to the, the pinnacle, and the pinnacle of your needs is self-actualization. I'm not sure what that means, but that sounds really clever. I think it's, you know, knowing what you're about, knowing who you are, that kind of stuff. But then 30 years later, Abraham Maslow, he realized that actually that wasn't the pinnacle of your needs. And he began to realize that actually it's not self where we find our needs met, but there is something above ourself, something transcendent that is bigger than us, where ultimately we have our needs met. A guy, we probably heard of this guy called St. Augustine, and he wrote this Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Him. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in Him. Are you restless this morning? Are you in a place where? Thank you for that feedback. That was good. Are you in a place where you're searching for something? You know, sometimes um, as the church, we can we can have this sort of mentality. Well, you know, I'm I'm a Christian and I know Jesus. He's found me and he's rescued me, and and what a wonderful thing that is. And maybe you're here this morning and actually you have never given your life to Jesus, and there is a searching and a longing. And I want to say to you this morning, today is a day when you can find rest in him. Where that sense of searching, that sense of, of there is something within me that is not being met by trying sex and, 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 and relationships and, and stuff that the world has to offer, that Jesus can pour his love into the deepest parts of your very being today. That can happen this morning. But to the church, sometimes we make the mistake that actually we think, well, I'm all right now. I'm okay now. I mean, God saved me. He's rescued me. I've got my ticket to heaven. I'm on my way there. And that sense of pursuit has been lost. I want to say this morning that there is a, there is a restlessness within me. We're looking worried now. There's a restlessness within me that says, God, there are deeper things that I want to experience in you. God, whatever I've got right now, I believe there is more that you can do in my life. That there is more that you can do in my church. And I want to, I want to take a big wooden spoon this morning and I want to stir up a sense of discontentment and a sense of restlessness in this church. That yes, we know that we find rest in Jesus. But is there a sense where, where we've, we feel we've arrived? That we think, oh well, you know, that, that whole thing of pursuit 
is over because I have Jesus in my life. And I just want to take a big spoon this morning and I want to stir up that sense of God, there is more of you that we can experience. God, there is something called eternity written into the heart of this church. It goes beyond anything that we can do. You know, the starting point of this series is not saying, let's be better organized. Let's have better music. Let's have, you know, a better building. It's all about the building or, you know, we need more money or we need to understand who we are. That is not the starting point of this series about church. The starting point is saying there is a God and he is big. He is big and he's put something within our hearts that if we don't have him, if we're not with him, if he is not doing things, there should be a restlessness within us. And complacency is one of the biggest killers of church. And we might be here thinking, wow, you know, there's, there's more people here this week than there were last week. Wow, we're moving forward. We've got a great big building. Wow, this is great. And it is good. It is good. But it's not the biggest thing. The biggest thing is there is a God and we can experience more of him. And I'm restless. I don't want to do church without Jesus. We've all been in those meetings, haven't we? We've all endured those meetings that you sit through the service and you come to the end of it. And you think, Holy Spirit, we know you're here. I mean, God is everywhere. But there is a difference between omnipresence and God's manifest presence. Yeah? Of course, God is here. He's everywhere. But is he doing things? And I don't want to sit through another church service where I come to the end thinking, wow, you know, what was that all about? We sang the songs. We heard the sermon. But where was God in all of that? Can I give you permission to do something this morning? Good. Can I give you permission to leave this church if you feel the Lord has left this church? If you feel the Lord has left this church, then we should all leave. We should all go and find a church where the Lord is. Is eternity in our hearts. God is big. I've been speaking about this a little bit last week in my, in my last um, sermon. I got a little video and I'm just going to put it up. It just speaks of the bigness of God. That we see it in what he has created. Um, we see it in the universe. We live in a solar system that has a diameter of approximately seven and a half billion miles that's our solar system if you drove your car at 65 miles per hour around the clock 24 7 how long would it take you to drive across our solar system obviously some people drive a little bit quicker than that Uh, recently i've been driving a little bit quicker than that and i've got a little course that the police want me to attend just to talk about that a little bit and speak into my life But if you drove at 65 miles per hour across our universe, which is seven and a half billion miles wide, it would take you 13,000 years to get across it. And that is just our solar system. There are a hundred billion other solar systems in our galaxies. God is big! We are tiny. 
Our galaxy is tiny compared to the bigness of God. And church is a place where we're vertical and we just come to a place of saying, God, you are big and I am humbled. James tells us that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in a church that is making the sense of God's bigness, his vastness, his glory, his majesty being the one thing, the one thing that we say we've got to have this. We have to have this. This has got to be our focus and we're going to be laser focused on it. There was a little story of um, a celebration in Boston. I don't know if this is a true story. It's off a thing called the World Wide Web, so I'm not sure if it's actually true, but it's a good little story. A story of um, people coming to celebrate the birth of a baby in Boston. And it was quite a rowdy family, and, and, and the uncles came in with their girlfriends, and you know the booze was brought in, everybody kind of hurried in. They threw their coats on the bedroom bed. You're looking at the thing there, aren't you? I was just shut up and... What's going on back there? Oh, is it finished? It's like, mm. I was just looking at it. Only like, mm. I forgot that I was playing. The universe is big. Yeah, you got that from, from that. Okay. So anyway, back to the story. A celebration. Celebrating the birth of a, of a new baby. And the, the uncles and everybody comes in. It's really rowdy. And in the, in the rush, they come in and they throw the coats on the bed. And they enjoy the party, the, the music, bit of dancing. It's all great. Until somebody realizes, where is the baby? What's happened to the baby? Where was the baby? It was underneath the coats. Had been left on the bed. And in the busyness of celebration, had been forgotten. I don't want to be that kind of church where we forget about the baby. The Lord Jesus, be great, I should have said for Christmas, shouldn't I? You know, who came to this world to show us that there is eternity in our hearts and there is only one and one alone who can meet our deepest needs. God's presence should be our passion, should be our obsession, should be our relentless pursuit. That we should be like Moses. Remember a sermon Adam preached on Moses and it was so good. And it was on that passage where Moses says, look God, if you're not going with us, then we're not going. Because you are the only one who sets us apart from everybody else. Do you want to be different? Student? Would you like to be different from everybody else in the university? Can I tell you the one thing that is going to set you apart is going to be the glory of God on your life. It's going to be a heart that says, Jesus, I'm going to radically live for you. Where are the young people? Where are the young people who are saying, do you know what? Everything else, everything this world has to offer, it is meaningless. I'm going to have one thing that I'm going to pursue in my life. And that is the presence of Jesus. Where are those young people? Are they here this morning? Some people are raising their hands. Brilliant. Thank you. It's a question for my heart. 
Gareth is the presence of Jesus, my one and only desire. And this is where God chooses to manifest his glory. It's in church. How cool is that? That God chooses this thing called church. Not, not the king's church, but church. To show up and to do things. I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a Sunday morning service. I'm talking about us. We are the church. That as we learn to live together, to, to, to love, to have grace, to speak truth, to do community. And we do that all with this sense of being a vertical church. That is where God shows up. You can't replace the church. You could have the best devotional in the world. And we need to spend time with the Lord in the morning. But you could be just you know, on fire in the morning with your Bible and Jesus But that will never, ever replace church. We need church because God has ordained it. I want to close this morning with the words that come from my friend Nathan, who sent me this last night. He said, I just had this on my heart in the last few days, a section of the well-known song, Spirit Lead Me, Where My Trust Is Without Borders. Maybe the worship team could come forward. And Nathan says, wouldn't it be great if we could live our lives like that? Leading a spirit-led life where we're not asking questions because we know that we have a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing. Wouldn't it be great if when we arrive smack bang in the front of a trial or wall, instead of moping around on our faces, we would actually be offering up our lives to him, praising him with every vocal cord that we have, with every muscle we control, because we know that he will lead us through anything and everything that is against us in our lives. Then he closes with this. I think that day is close. We just need to realize it. Can we all just close our eyes for a moment? I want to say it's a real privilege for me to be just communicating something of God's word to you today. And it may be that you're here and as I'm talking about restlessness, as I'm talking about eternity, as I'm talking about hope, it may be that you're, you're just thinking, you know what, Gareth, I, I, I'm so lost right now. There is this pursuit in my life for something deeper. But I'm going to all the wrong places. And this morning as I hear you talking about Jesus, I just I, I have this sense within me that Jesus is the one that I need to give my life to. I want to say that that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. The God, he loves you. He's interested in you. He has mercy for your sin and your mistakes. 
And he wants to rescue you this morning. He wants to be your guardian and your rescuer. But for that to happen, we have to come to a place of humility where we say, God, you are big and I am small. You are holy and I am not. You are pure and I am not. And that God, as as I'm in your presence today, I recognize that I need you. And I'm going to give my life over to you. I'm going to recognize what Jesus has done for me. That he came as your son. He died on a cross. He rose again. He is alive today. And that through the cross, I can know peace. I can know grace. I can know mercy.